Good morning. Am I good here? Okay. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit here is with us here too. Lord, before we begin, we want to ask that your Holy Spirit may come and touch our minds, our heart, our souls, that you may lead this service today, that you may speak through my mouth. God, and that when we leave, we know that you have spoken to us and you expect us to allow you to transform our lives so that we could be light in darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was younger, I liked those type of preachers that came and had preached mostly of their testimonies, something they had gone through. Those were more exciting. Those were more interesting. And so when I was younger and I had, and God called me to start preaching in church, I wanted to have those experiences. And I said, God, I want to be a preacher, but I want to be a preacher who has, you know, testimonies, something, events that happened to me that I could use as illustrations in my sermons. And I once was told by a very wise person, be careful what you ask God. But I did. I asked God, I, need, I want to have experiences. I want to have experiences to tell the church, this is the, the sermon, this is the illustration, and back it up with something that I had gone through. And I remember earlier uh, in my life, that's what I wanted to do, just to have that. And I want to start off today with, the, with, with a scripture found in Genesis 12, verse 2. Genesis 12, chapter 12, and verse 2. If you have it, say amen. Okay. And so this is the, uh, the, the title of this is The Call of Abraham. So the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I have shown you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And in return, you will be a blessing to others. And in return, you will be a blessing to others. I remember that when I was younger, I read a book. And I haven't found, I don't remember the title, I don't remember the author, but I remember that uh, the author wanted, the, the premise of the book was to be a blessing to others. And he used an illustration that when he was younger, he used to have those Cracker Jack box that had little presents inside of them. You would open them up and they had tiny little presents for kids. And he said when he was younger, he loved to open the Cracker Jack box and just dump everything out to find the little present inside the Cracker Jack box. And he said, I love that. I yearn to grab it. I, I yearn for my mom to buy those, bring those home so that I could open them up, dump everything out, and get the present. His premise, why can't we be the Cracker Jack present for the world, for people? Out in the world, why can't we be a, a, that blessing to someone else? And he called us to do it. In this book, he said, I want you guys to go to the world and be a blessing no matter where you're at. It could be at a grocery store. It could be at your job site, in your church, wherever you're at. If you have an opportunity, be that Cracker Jack present for someone else. 
And he gave this illustration and I loved it. He said he was, uh, his, his job had called him uh, to a different state, so he went, he traveled, and he stayed at a nice hotel. At the end of his stay, he, you know, he, he's gonna go check out, he gets his small little luggage, he goes out to the parking lot where a van is gonna take him to the airport, it's a shuttle. So he grabs his luggage, he barely puts it down when he hears a voice from the side says, hey, come help me with my luggage. He turns around and he's like, okay. And he just walks up to this man who had a sea of luggage ready to be picked up. And so he started helping him out. He brought the luggage of this man. He brought it to the curve where the van was going to pick him up. He lined it up correctly and he helped him out. When the van came, the shuttle came, he even helped him bring all those luggage into the van, into the shuttle, and made sure that the man got a seat in the van. And once that was done, he said he went and grabbed his own luggage, put it in the, in the, in the shuttle, and then came in and sat down in the, in, in the van. When the van took off, the guy looked at him in shock. And he says, wait, you don't work here? And he goes, no, sir, I don't work here. He goes, why, didn't, why did you grab my bags then? I thought you worked here. And he says, well, you needed help, didn't you? He goes, yes, but I wouldn't have done that. You didn't work here. You didn't have to do that. I just thought you worked here. And he says, well, that's what I do for a living. I'm a blessing for people. I teach that, actually, as a living. There's a corporation that I work for, and I go and I tell their employees how to be a blessing to people. He said, are you serious? He goes, yeah, that's what I do. He goes, look, I own three major corporations. Do you have a business card? Because I really want you to come and tell my people, my employees of how to do that. I am so amazed that you did that for me. You don't even work here and you did all that. You carried all my heavy luggage and you did that. I want you to work for me and teach other people. I read that in a book and I was like, that sounds cool. But I don't know if I can do that. To be realistically, to be nice every time, all the time, to just to be a blessing to someone else, I thought, I don't know if I could do that. You know, we, we're honest with each other. We know our, the, the, the fault in our character. And sometimes we doubt that we can do that, that we can take that challenge and be like, well, God, I want to be a blessing, so help me be a blessing. And then the first person that cuts us off on the freeway, we don't want to be a blessing. We want to say and, you know, wave at them. And so I knew that I also might have a hard time with being in a blessing to other people, knowing the, the defaults of my character, knowing that the, there was, I'm not perfect. I like that the Sabbath school teacher said, well, I know I'm justified, but don't look at me as an example of someone that's a great Christian. I just know that I'm justified by, you know, by faith in Jesus. And so I had a hard time, but I said, God, I, I want to try. I want to experience this. I want to experience that this author is writing that I want to see if it's true, if I could be placed in a situation where I could be a blessing to someone. And so again, a wise man told me, be careful what you ask for. You're going to be placed in situations where you're going to say, you asked for it, son. Here it is. 
I'm going to give you today, this morning, three experiences, earlier experiences of my life where God started doing that. And there's a reason that he expects us all to have these experiences. The first one, I named it Cassandra and Isabella. I went after work, I was tired, and I went to do some grocery shopping. And I was really tired. I was not in the mood to be a blessing to anyone. So I was tired, fatigued, and I was driving my little car, and I had bought my groceries, and I'm driving. It's late. The sun has gone down. It's right 8 in the afternoon. And I'm driving, and I pull to get some gasoline at a Circle K. And I'm impressed by, in the corner of my eye, I see a teenage girl with a, a one-year-old girl on this, it's a stroller, but it's like a, a toy stroller where she's using to carry her child. And it's cold, and she's on a payphone, and she's, you know, she's, she's, I can see her hang up and dial again and hang up and dial again. And something is drawing my attention to this person. And I have this, there's an impression that's coming on me that I should go and offer her a ride. And I'm fighting the, the impression. I said, God, not today. I could do this tomorrow, you know, another time where I'm not as stressed, where I'm not as fatigued. I could do this tomorrow. And there's this, a yearning, a pulling sensation to ask her for a ride. And I'm like, she shouldn't take a ride from a stranger anyway, Scott. If that was my sister, I would scream at her if she ever got into a car with a stranger, especially a male stranger, she's a woman. I said, she shouldn't even take the ride. And I'm fighting it. And God is pressing, ask her for a ride. And so I kind of pull, I drive and I pull to the side, roll down the window and I said, excuse me, um, do you need a ride somewhere? And she's on the phone, she just turns around, she looks at me and she just rolls her eyes and continues on. I said, fine, I didn't want to give one anyways. (laughs) And God's like, well, you can't leave, ask her again. And I'm like, see God, I don't, she she obviously is not interested. I should not be persistent. I'm going to come out as a, as a you know, weirdo. She might call the cops on me. I don't want to deal with this. He says, ask her again. And I said, so you're good? Do you need a ride? And so she turns around. She goes, I live really far. And I'm like, I wanted to say, how far do you live? But I'm like, that's fine. I mean, and she goes, you know, she goes, I, I was here for the food stands for the, you know, the, and they closed it. They dropped me off and I can't get someone to pick me off, uh, pick me up and the baby. She goes, I would really appreciate it. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm offering the, um, the ride. You could come in. I'll, I'll take you to wherever you're going to go. I was living in downtown Phoenix and she was headed somewhere up north. And, and I said, yeah, come in. She puts the baby stroller in the back of the car and she takes this one-year-old and she sits in the front seat. And we start driving. And it was very uncomfortable at first. What do you say to a stranger you just picked up? You don't know. So I'm getting in the freeway and she says, my name is Cassandra. This is Isabella. This is my daughter. 
And I introduced myself, my, I'm Dan, nice to meet you. She, she, she thanked me for giving her the ride, she was driving. And she started letting me know about her life. She goes, yeah, I was living with my mom, kind of ran away from home, got pregnant. Uh, she goes, the guy that I was dating, you know, he, he, he hurt me physically, he went to jail, and my mom kicked me out of the house. She goes, so I'm a mess. I, I, I'm trying to, she goes, my mom still, still takes care of my, of my daughter sometimes. She goes, but I can't live in her home anymore. She goes, oh, I have no one. And she's giving me all this stuff. She's just now, she feels comfortable and she's just loading all her life story. And I'm just driving nervously because I don't know what to do. Um, I've never really led anyone on a, a, you know, to, the, to Jesus' feet. I've never led anyone. I've never gave study lessons, Bible study lessons to anyone. So I don't know what to do. I'm young still in the ministry, so I'm just like in shock. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just listening. And God makes me feel like, now it's your opportunity. Tell her about God. And I said, well, you know, when I have a hard time, I go to church. And it was almost pathetic what I said. Instead of telling her about God, I'm like, well, I go to church. Maybe you should try that sometime. Maybe it was on those lines, right? I was, it was very rookie type conversation. I said, yeah, you should go to church. And as soon as I mentioned church, she said, you know what? My mom used to take us to church when we were little. And I, it was the best years of my life. She goes, I love how they sang in church. I loved the worship in church. She goes, I felt good, but you know, you know we, we do dumb things, and I left, and I haven't gone back to church since then. And I was like, oh, okay, God, here, here's where you're going to nudge me and start talking about God here. And she kept you know, addressing more of how she felt, you know, the impression that she should go back to church, that she should pray, that she should look for God. And here's God doing the work, and I'm like still fumbling, like I don't know what to do, God. So we finally arrived at her at the place she was staying at, and she's ready to leave. And I felt like God was saying, don't let her leave without praying for her, Dan. Don't let her get out of your car without praying for her. I didn't, I didn't bring you to this situation, so you can just leave it as is. And I remember when she was about to grab the, the, the handle of the car, I said, Cassandra, can I, can I ask you for a favor? And she looked at me kind of weird. And I said, well, don't worry. I would just like to pray for you. Can I do that? And maybe I thought she was going to say, yeah, pray for me later. It would be comfortable for me, right? Yeah, I'll pray for you later. Maybe that's what I wanted. I'll pray for you later. But I remember she, she was going to leave, and as she got back in the car, she closed the door, and she said, yes, I would love that, and she extended her hand. I had never, that had never happened to me before. Someone, when you want to pray for, they want to hold your hand while we pray. And so I extended my hand, I, I, I held her hand, and I led her to the Lord there. I, I, I prayed for her like I had never prayed for anyone in, in my life. I have always been selfish at that point, and this was a, an opportunity for me to just think about them. And I prayed for Cassandra, and I prayed for Isabella, I prayed for the situation. And I remember when she, she, her smile when I left, and driving back home, 
I understood the gospel a little bit better because I wept all the way home because I couldn't believe that God had literally listened to my prayers and said, you want experiences? I am going to put you in places where you're going to experience God. Be careful what you ask God because he might answer it. The second time, praying for Nancy. As I started getting more comfortable with my relationship with God, um, I would, I, there was this park that I liked to go to in the afternoons. It was kind of dark, not too many lights. And I would go on top of this hill and I would light. It was a little bit dark. There was not too much lights on top of this hill and I liked to pray there. Nobody saw me praying. Maybe that's why I did it because it was, you know, convenient for me. No one was going to see me pray or have my eyes closed while I prayed. And so I, I, I was there. I was young and I would pray there. And I remember right at the park, there's this bridge and there's a path that goes under it. And a lot of people commute with bicycles or they run or they jog. And it's a very busy, you know, path under the bridge in the, at this park, this public park. And I remember seeing this woman. She was homeless. And I, I'm seeing her. I'm just noticing as I pray, I'm noticing that she comes right in the middle of this busy intersection where people walk and pass and she grabs her backpack and she lays out a sheet. And she starts getting comfortable in her sheet. She starts bringing all these stuff. And I notice that her plan is to sleep there. Right in the middle of all this busyness, she's going to sleep there. And I'm thinking, why are you going to do that? People walk through there. Go, you know, they, they ride their bicycles. That's very inconvenient of this woman. And she's there, and she's very sad. There's, there's this sadness in her eyes. And I'm just watching her, just, you know, just her behavior, what she's doing. Why is she doing the things that she's doing? And I'm, I'm almost not even paying attention to my own prayer to God because I'm watching this lady. And she's there, and there's this, this other impression, just like the first time. Dan, she looks kind of hungry. Yeah, well, yeah, like, I could imagine so. I mean, sometimes, you know, people who are homeless, they don't have a lot to eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dan, she looks kind of hungry. What are you going to do about it is what I'm referring to. And I said, God, no, you can't do that. That's, that's going to be weird. I have to go buy food and then give it. What if she doesn't want it? Like, I don't know, God, that's uncomfortable for me. I'm... I'm very awkward. I'm very shy. I don't like to, you know, socialize very much. You know this, God. And there's an impression, well, God, Dan, she, she's hungry. She's not going anywhere, I promise. Oh. And I know there's a jack-in-the-box around the corner, so I'm like, oh, okay, God. I'm going to take my sweet time, and when she comes back, I bet she's not there. So I'm like, oh, I hope she's not there. So they don't have to go through this. And so I do go, you know, I... I, I there's peace about listening to that voice. Because if you don't listen to the voice, it's going to persist until it breaks it. So I'm like, finally, I'll go. So I go, and I go to the dragon box. I get her a meal. And, I'm, and then instead of going directly to where she's at, I go back to the hill where I was at to make sure she's gone. But she's not. And I'm like, okay, here's my second problem, God. I'm, a, I'm very self-aware. 
that I think people are going to watch me go over there to her, and I don't want people to look at me giving her food. I'm just weird like that, God. I don't want to do it. Is there any way that I can get out of doing this? No, nothing, no word, no impression. It's almost like you know the answer to this. And I said, oh, okay. And so I'm walking and there's people coming. So I kind of turned around like, oh, I'm gonna be watched doing this. And I'm walking with, you know, the meal and a drink. And I finally get to where she's at. And I don't know what to say, be honest. And I said, excuse me, um, are you hungry? And she looks at me and she goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I just want to drop it off. Here you go. Have a good day. God bless. You know, do my Christian service. And I do. I put it down. She grabs it. And before I can leave, something blurs out of my mind. Out of my mouth, I should say. It blurs out of my mouth. I didn't even plan to say this. Are you okay? Are you happy? And as soon as I said, are you happy, I want to slap myself. Why would you say that? Are you happy? But she got the question and she said, you know what? Sometimes I am. But then there's days where it's hard. And God's like, sit down. She wants to talk. And so I was all right. And I made space in her seat, and I sat down next to her. Yes, there were people watching, but after that, I didn't care. It was just a tunnel vision, just sitting down with Nancy. And I said, what's your name? She said, Nancy. She began to tell me the story. I got addicted to drugs when I was a teenager. They took my kids away. I had kids, and they took them away. I haven't seen them since. I want to get better. I want to get them back. It's going to be a long process. And I'm listening to her. I'm listening to her. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there. I'm, I'm listening, and I don't know what to say. I don't think there's anything to say. I don't think there's any words that you can say to make their lives any better. And I'm just listening, because that's all I can do. And I'm asking God, what do I say? Do I intervene? Do I say something? I give her a scripture? What do I do, God? You brought me here, and I'm clueless to what you want. And she finished her story. She tells me as much as she can, as much as she wants to. She looks tired. She wanted to sleep. That's why she was there. And so I said, Nancy, I'll let you go. And again, but can I pray for you? And she smiled, and again, she extended, just like the first girl, Cassandra, she extended her hand. I took hold of her hand, and I prayed for Nancy. I've been praying for Cassandra and Isabella. I've been praying for Nancy. I haven't seen them. I don't know what's going to happen. I, there was no way of keeping contact. But I prayed for her. And I, and I left, and... God makes you better, not just because you're saying, oh, well, I'm righteous because I gave someone a homeless. No, he makes you better because he makes you understand what the gospel was about. Who he loved. Who is it that he came to die for? 
He didn't send me to the holy ones from the church. He sent me to the people who didn't have the light. Third one. Me and my sister were coming from eating dinner and we're driving on the freeway. There's a girl in her truck. She has, she's driving an F-150, an older version, a 90 version of the F-150, Ford F-150. And she has a flat tire. And she didn't make it all the way to the edge of the curve. So there's cars passing her by not caring about her situation. And so my sister looks and she looks at me like, are you going to want to help her out? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, if you're looking at me like I should, maybe I should. And so she pulls over because she has kids and she knows that if she was in that situation, she would like someone to help her out. So she's looking at me like, be a man, get off the car, help this girl. So she, she pulls over and I said, all right, I get off. And the girl's on her cell phone and I said, hey, do you need help changing that tire? Of course she does. But, you know, you want to just make sure that that's what they, they're comfortable with. And she goes, yeah. She goes, I'm, I'm trying to call my dad, see if he can come, but he's not answering his phone. I think I have AAA, but I don't know if it's canceled, if, if the insurance is still ongoing. She goes, I would really appreciate the help. So I'm like, cool, I know what to do. So I get under the truck, but I don't know what to do because I've never had a truck before. And so I look and I say, there's a spare tire and something's holding the spare tire. All I have to do is turn it you know, counterclockwise and it's going to fall down and I'm going to change the tire. Well, it turns out that's not how you change a tire on that specific truck. And so I'm in there and I'm trying to turn this, whatever it is, around counterclockwise, clockwise, counterclockwise, and nothing is bringing the truck down. And I'm frustrating. I'm getting cut. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, cars are passing by, I can feel the truck vibrating on the side of the freeway. People are passing by like they don't see the truck. And so I'm scared, of, you know, scared to death, I'm scared that someone's gonna hit the car. And I'm struggling. And I remember that was a Sunday, Saturday before, the day before I had preached about how God always comes through for his children. And so I'm saying, God, I, you know I preached. Saturday, and I said that you always come through for your children. I need help taking this tire down because I'm going to look like a fool if it doesn't. And I'm there, and I'm there 20, 30, 40 minutes, and the girl's kind of looking at me like, well, you know that awkward moment when someone acts, you know, he, he wants, they want to help you, but they don't know what they're doing either? It's kind of the awkward situation. She was kind of like, are you okay down there? Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to, almost there, I said. I had no clue how to get it out. And so my pride was getting a little bruised because I am a man. I should know what I'm doing. And it's, I'm struggling. I don't know. And I'm saying, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. I need you to tell me what to do. And she kind of reaches down. She sees it. She goes, look, let me just call AAA. You know, even they have to pay for it. They'll come and you don't have to get all, you know, messed up because she's hearing me struggle and moan. And she goes, you look, let me just call AAA. I'll pay the fine and we'll just both get out of here. And I said, you know, I said, if you want to call AAA, I'm still going to work on it until they come, if that's okay with you. She goes, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some calls. And I say, and I started talking to God, God, do you hear that? If she calls AAA and they get here before you take this tire down, 
that's going to be so embarrassing about your name. Yeah, your name is not going to be glorified here. You're going to let me down. I need to be a blessing to this girl, and AAA is going to come? That's going to be embarrassing to you. And I remember she leans down again. She goes, hey, my dad's on the phone. <laughs> he wants to talk to you. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I get the phone. He goes, hey, son. I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, you have to go to the hood of the truck. You open the hood, open it up. There's a rod in the hood of the car. He goes, make sure you, you know, let me know when you find it. So I go, I open the door, open the hood, there's a rod. He goes, you grab that rod, you take it to the back of the truck. There is a place where you're going to stick the rod in, you're going to turn it, and the tire's going to fall down. And I said, oh, oh, let's see. And I go, and sure enough, there's a little rod. You stick it in there, you turn it down, the two, three times the tire was down. And I say, oh, thank you. Well, that was easy. I spent like an hour here trying to figure it out on my own, all cut up, bruised up. And then I felt, did you say my name was not going to be glorified if I didn't call and help you out? I called. Father called. And I said, thank you, God. I, I do want to be a blessing to this girl. I just needed extra help here. And I did. We finally got it up. I said, God bless. She moved on. I said, ooh, that was hard, God. I don't want, can you make these easier? Can you just, I mean, I like the experiences. Can you just simplify those? Just like, you know, less complicated. But if you were to ask why, why do we have to be a blessing? Why do we have to go the extra mile? Why do we have to do that? Why would we have to ask God to put us in situations? Why can't we just have an easy Christian life? That's a good question. There was an illustration that I that I heard a long time ago. A Christian was getting his hair cut at a barber shop. His barber was an atheist. And he was having a conversation whether God existed or not. It was a debate. It was a good debate. But the barber was winning. The barber said, you know what? God does not exist. Let me tell you why God does not exist. There's a lot of kids who are dying of hunger in Africa. There's a lot of widows who can't take care of their kids. There's a lot of evil. People go and kill people in schools and churches. There's a lot of evil. The evil is the evidence that God does not exist. If God existed, none of that would ever happen. And the Christian was getting his hair cut. And like some of us, we almost don't have... We get caught off, off guard when, when they say all these good evidence about why God shouldn't exist. And he was caught off guard and he didn't know what to say to them. He didn't know what to say to his barber. So he, he was almost defeated there. He didn't know what to say. So he finished getting his haircut. He gave him his pay and gave him a tip. With his head down, he walked out the barber shop. Took a few steps and he was just like, why? Why couldn't I defend that argument? And he sees a skater kid on his, bicycle, on, his, uh, on his skateboard with long hair, scruffy beard. And then he smiled, grabbed the kid and said, I'll give you 20 bucks if you walk into the barbershop with me. And he goes, yeah, 20 bucks, sure. He grabs the kid, brings him into the barbershop, and he says, barbers don't exist. And the guy's looking at him like, what? Barbers don't exist. He goes, are you, are you mad? He goes, yeah. If barbers existed, this kid would have his hair cut and he would have his beard trimmed. 
He goes, that doesn't mean we don't exist. That just means that he hasn't come to us. He goes, precisely. Evil does not, is not the evidence that God exists, that God does not exist. Evil is just means that people have not gone to God to be healed, to be loved, to be transformed. It's not an evidence that God does not exist. So again, why do we have to go out of our way? When we read the scripture this morning, John 3, 16, we know it by memory. We love to quote that. That's when our kids, when, we, when their kids grow up, we teach that one. Psalms 23, John 3, 16. But there's a problem. John 3, 16 keeps going. And so you read 17. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And verse 19 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Some say that darkness is, doesn't exist in and out of itself. Darkness is just the absence of light. So why do we have to go the extra mile? Why do we have to do that? Why would we have to ask God to be a blessing to people? Because they're living in the absence of light. They're living in darkness. And maybe, just maybe, there's people who have not experienced the light. Maybe, just maybe, there's people who haven't experienced love, mercy, compassion, forgiveness. Maybe there's people still out there who don't know, who have left and forgotten what that feels like. And God just wants to remind them when they're living in darkness, which is the absence of light, he's sending you there to say, shine some of your light. Let them remind themselves that there is light. Light has come to this world. And they've rejected it. But if we could prompt them again to the light, if we could show them what light looks like, if we could show them what love looks like, what mercy looks like, when you can be the present inside the Cracker Jacks for them, that when they come, they meet you at a bank when you're going to cash your check and they meet you and you greet them by their name and your smile, the way you say hello, you might be that blessing in their lives. I know we want to be a blessing to us here in the church, but that's easy. God wanted us to be a blessing in the world. He told Abraham, I will bless you, Abraham. And in return, you will be a blessing to them. Abraham, wherever he went, had to be a blessing to them. And he was only being a blessing because he received the blessing from God. Have you received a blessing from God? Has your life been blessed? I know there's trials. I know there's ups and downs in our lives. But in the midst of all those ups and downs, there has to be a blessing. And you know that you've experienced some of those. 
And when you receive, God says, give as much as you receive, extend it out. Be a blessing to the people who need some light. Would we be a light this week? Would we be a light today when we leave church? I think that's the calling for us. God is going to come again. We believe that as seven-day Adventist. We believe in the second coming. And so our job is to say, okay, we're going. We have the assurance we're going. We know the truth. We know this God. How about them? Can we go out and just be a blessing? You don't have to give a Bible study. You don't have to preach. You could just greet them. Say their name. Ask God where he wants you to be for a moment, and let's be a light to the world.